Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, Senior Editor at Light Reading. And hi, it's Mark Debevoise, CEO of Breakove. Great. Well, Mark, hey, thanks a lot for joining the podcast. It's good to, to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great to be here. Sure. Well, I think what we were going to do is maybe start off and, and kind of get everybody's uh, bearings <laughs> on on what you're uh, what you're doing now, right? Because uh, you know you've been in a new role at Brightcove for a few months, right? Yep. So, in my fifth month. Uh, fifth month. Thing. Okay. So you know, kind of uh, where you are now. Then, um, even though you're five months in, what are what do you kind of view as the top priorities? for the rest of the year, started 2023, you know, before we got together here, I kind of went through the last earnings call and kind of perused some of that. And, you know, I think that there was some discussion about uh, like return to revenue growth and diversifying revenues was kind of part of it, but uh, yeah, maybe you can just kind of outline, uh, you know, the, the direction there. Yeah. Great. No, thanks for the question. Uh, you know, like any new CEO, you know, the first thing is you gotta, you know, figure out where you are and then figure out where you want to take the company. And uh, luckily I was a customer of the company, you know, over a decade ago, uh, back when I was at Stars, And um, I've known the company for a long, long time, did a lot of diligence before I came in as, as the, the newest CEO. And I really understand, you know, at least where it's been, right? And where, where I hope we want to take it. And so over the first few months, we really did, uh, you know, put together what is a revamped team and a revamped strategy on where we're going to go forward. Uh, and it starts with a vision and a shared vision that we have for the company that is to be the most trusted streaming technology company in the world. Uh, and we take that very specifically from a language perspective. You know, we know what we are. We're a streaming technology company. When we say most trusted, we don't just want to be like the best for you. We also want to be the most, right? Meaning deployed the most and in the most places. Uh, and we are a global company uh, and one of the few in our space that can really handle things across the globe. Um, <clears throat> and with that vision, you know, we really put together uh, what are the core underpinnings of the goals that we want to go achieve, right? And those are the, some of the things you referenced coming off the call. Uh, we want to bring this company back to growth, but back to robust growth. We've been growing sort of low single digits for a little while. And I think it's sort of getting that much higher right into those double digit type of time frame, uh, uh, scale frames. And then it's, the second is to scale the company. I mean, we are a few hundred million. We want to be, you know, not just tens more, but hopefully hundreds more over time. Uh, you know, companies in this space, we think, need to have scale in order to service, you know, the robust set of customers we have. We have 2,400 uh, or so premium customers. And, you know, to service those kind of people really does take uh, the right scale uh, as an enterprise. Um, we want to diversify that revenue. You know, we've been, you know, effectively pure SaaS for a long, long time. I mean, it's SaaS plus some entitlements that we sell customers. Um, the example I give here is that, you know, a lot of our media uh, customers, which is about half our business, are our media entities streaming video. Uh, a lot of those monetize via advertising, and yet we've never... Uh, ever filled an ad for anyone, right? We've only served them or enabled them. And so the reason we didn't do it is we felt like in the past that we, you know, it wasn't SaaS to, to do ad monetization. I think we were going to turn the corner on that and say, look, there may be some other types of business, re you know, revenue that can come in and help our business grow. Doesn't crowd out our SaaS revenue, doesn't change our, 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 our core business, uh, but it may be some ancillary things that can grow at a lot around the edges. Um, you know, my last point that, I, that I, I made on that call was also about just being excellent. Um, I think we are excellent for a number of our customers, but being excellent for both 
ourselves, our employees, our customer base has to be a goal out there, you know, for companies like us. But look, we're one of the few, you know, growing companies in the space. We're profitable. We're one of the only ones that are profitable doing, you know, this type of technology. And I really do think there are a couple trends uh, in the industry, which I'm sure we'll get into, uh, eating into, or, you know, we may take the company going forward. Right. And you were talking a little bit about, you know, hey, uh, opportunities to uh, continue to scale the company. It sounds like you're, you're thinking uh, this company has potential to scale much larger than, than where you are today. You had mentioned advertising, but uh, to be able to uh, scale like like you want it to, what I, I don't know how much detail you can go into the actual strategy and approach, but where, where are you going to focus to be able to, you know, uh, start to pursue that, I guess. No, it's a great question. Um, so I start with, you know, we have two types of customers, right? Two core customer bases. Um, one is that we serve uh, enterprise customers, right? Those enterprise customers are, let's call them non-media companies, although that's an incorrect moniker in my, in my mind, because yeah. I think all companies need to act like media companies in some way, shape or form. and need to figure that out over time. You know, it's one of our our mantras, but uh, those enterprise customers, about 1,500 of them, they drive about half our business. Um, we serve effectively marketers and I would call internal and external communications professionals to deliver, you know, streaming video in all kinds of ways and use cases, you know, within those those core users and solutions. And I, what I would say is that to scale further, you know, we are going to continue to serve what I would call larger enterprises, right? We're not focused on small business. We're focused on you know, large, larger enterprises generally. And, you know, we have already 250 of the fortune 1000 in the customer base, you know, the way to grow that market is to get more of those larger customers and to additionally, uh, you know, serve them what I would call more end to end, right. To, to additionally, you know, to be able to round out the solution set that we deliver to those companies to be more robust. Um, Some of that may involve helping them, you know, on the enterprise side, get more content. A lot of times what we hear from those cu- that customer base is that we'd love to have a bigger and broader uh, video strategy on the internet, but we don't necessarily have the right content or the right tools to get it to the right places. Or do we need more integrations across some of the marketing automation platforms to be able to get the content from different places inside those companies to other areas? So I think we have a clear vision on that side of how to, what I would say, you know, more robustly serve the customers we do and continue to serve larger enterprises. On the media side of our business, which is, you know, probably what people know us for or more, we're more known for from the history, you know, where, you know, again, about half of our business driven by media customers, you know, we actually don't serve the largest of the large media companies very much, right? Those top sort of 10 or so media companies. One Like, one like the big that. streamers you're, you're talking about? Because yeah. I was thinking of enterprises. I'm like, yeah, you're not counting like Disney Plus as an enterprise. Uh, one, of, one of which... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of which my history, you know, I, I ran, I was the chief digital yeah. officer at, at, at now Paramount mm-hmm. Global, formerly Viacom CBS. Right. And, you know, we, we were not a break of customer in any any real way at, at that company because we built a lot of things internally. And so, you know, part of our thesis is to continue to move up market on the media side as well. We think we can serve the largest of the large customers. And we have a, a wonderful customer base now, we have, you know, over... Uh, 600 media customers, and they are many of which are mid-market and many of which are larger customers, you know, top 100 style media companies, but not those top 10 or 15. And and the reason I say that is I actually think there's a shift going on in the marketplace where the largest media companies globally, again, that top 100, top 200, you want to say it, 
are going to need to save money on their technology and are going to not be able to continually develop internally all the solutions that they need, want, or are going to use. Well, that's and- an interesting point. Yeah, because I think the profitability is becoming a bigger focus. It, it felt like, hey, we got to stand this thing up. We got to we got to grow this thing as fast as we can. There's a, but you're right. There is a lot of cost well, involved in this. That it's, it's, it's actually yeah. three things. One is yeah. pure cost, right? Like on an yeah. aggregated basis, you can save money, right? We can do it for yeah. a lot of people. We can, we can do a lot of the things we do cheaper than you can on your own. The second is the continual hiring of the engineering talent it takes to maintain that at dozens, if not, you know, hundreds of companies just may, just doesn't exist potentially at this point. And so to be able to aggregate that capability, I liken it to the ad tech uh, or, or really add serving uh, evolution of like the early, you know, like 2010, 2011. You know, when I first started at CBS Interactive, we had two homegrown ad servers uh, when I started. And by the time <laughs> I left, yeah. we were using, we went from using, we moved over to DoubleClick and eventually moved to Freewheel. Um, and I, when I look at that and I said, we got the, we not only saved money, right? We actually got the advantage of not having to hire those engineers and deploying those product people and engineers on potentially higher value things that we could really differentiate on, whereas ad serving wasn't going to be something we differentiated on. And then the last point is, got the benefit of the development of the hundreds of customers that those folks have. So you actually got the development, you know, sort of product roadmaps of hundreds of companies fed into this one company to serve you what is the best of breed in that area. And I do think that's an opportunity for us in streaming technology generally, as we think about, you know, looking up market uh, in, in the media side of the business. So, I mean, I think the time has come, right? You, you, you and I both follow this industry deeply. Uh, and, and there really has been a shift in the last year about how, you know, streaming is being put together, uh, by these larger, you know, entities that are focused on it from a media perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like maybe there is a little bit of an evolution on the whole, uh, build versus buy, uh, you know, sort of, uh, approach. How about subscribe? Subscribe to us. You know, oh, subscribe. Buy yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one kind of in the middle, right? Yeah. You're not necessarily buying. Yeah. You are subscribing. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Because I, you know, you had mentioned it. Um, you know, prior roles, and I think the last time we had a chance to talk, you were at Viacom, CBS, right? Uh, digital or chief digital officer, then head of CBS Interactive. So, uh, you you spent uh, you were there during. Um, Really interesting time, you know, for the the, the way the, the streaming business was really starting to come together. And, you know, kind of coming out of that, I guess, what big lessons, you know, from that role in that time are you kind of bringing over to Brightcove? Yeah, I was, yeah as you said, lucky and, and great timing to have joined that organization uh, in 2011. Yep. As really the head of CBS Digital as part of the larger CBS Interactive organization still had. CNET Media Group in it. Uh, we eventually sold that business to, to Red Ventures um, and then, you know, sort of moved up um, and with a, a great group of people, uh, became the president and COO of the division, then the CEO of the division, then the division merged with Viacom, then became the chief digital officer of the collective company, and then eventually uh, left at the end of 2020. You know, it was, an, it was a nine and a half year run. So a lot of lessons, you know, came through that. We went through effectively three revolutions, right? We went through the mobile, the social, and the streaming revolutions in media, right? It started with the move to the phone, 2010, 11, 12, 13. Social was really starting to, you know, build and grow around the same time. And mobile probably drove a lot of social 
and, and, and the growth that happened there. Sure. But then in, in, in 2013, we started to pitch internally that we needed to go over the top and, and disrupt ourselves. And it took a while, but we were still one of the first in 2014 to launch CBS All Access. If you think about that, it's five years prior to Disney Plus and six years prior to Peacock and, and a lot of those things. Obviously, Hulu was really the first, right? But we were right there as the first major network to go direct. And man, did we learn a lot about, you know, migrating from starting with super fans to, you know, thinking about how we could add original content to that, to then adding live sports and all the other pieces that come into, you know, the, what I would say the, the, the amalgamation or conglomeration of what is Paramount Plus today and really the reason you invest in, in, a, in a stock like, like, uh, like Paramount Global is for the growth that you see in that service and how it's going. And it's done tremendous. And the team that we built together is still operating a lot of that business and, and doing a tremendous job. I think in looking at Breakove, I took some of the lessons there about, you know, thinking about how we disrupt ourselves and what the changes are in that industry. And that's part of what gives us the vision to see that we think the streaming business is going through another change, right? And that change is likely going to be at the biggest guy's cost savings. And then what I would call an emergence of both the creator and producer economies in direct-to-consumer streaming. Uh, we think there's been a very limited impact of creators other than on social networks, including, you know, YouTube and a pretty limited impact of producers, meaning folks that make movies and TV shows going direct themselves. And we do think there are two trends there in the market that we're still determining our strategy of how to attack. But we think that someone like a break of that can really enable individuals or creators to have their own channels and their own capabilities out in the marketplace um, you know, that there's a future there uh, as people start to sort of disrupt the existing infrastructure and how it goes. On the enterprise side, we see it the same way. Like if you don't have a video strategy for your marketing or an internal and external communications departments and you're an enterprise uh, today, you're already behind, right? And you need to start thinking and acting like a media company in order to reach both your customers and your employees. And so, we help in a, in a big way to get companies to do that, but it does take sort of a recognition on their own that it is time. And what we see there is that like, if you think about the media wave, like the media wave figured out streaming and now it's figuring out like wave two or wave three of what streaming is going to be. Enterprise is kind of still on wave one and figuring out that <laughs> yeah. it needs, you know, that, that companies need to focus here and focus on streaming video. Otherwise they're going to be sort of left behind. And where the Well, I imagine, yeah, everyone else is already like off and running and they're just like, trying to figure out how they're, they're going to get their footing. Yeah. And so I mean, we have incredible yeah. customers who have been with us for, you know, five or 10 years on the enterprise side who've done tremendous work. I mean, you could look at, you know, folks like, like, you know, Nike and Home Depot and, you know, uh, Ford and GM and, you know, we have numerous, um, uh, sectors that we focus on and do tremendously well. A lot of tech companies are with us. Uh, you know, NetApp's been a great partner of, of, of recent. But when you start to look at like how many companies there are out there and how many are not doing it, you sort of say, you know, when I say who's the competitor that we lose to, I get asked that question by investors. And I say, on the enterprise side, we lose to do nothing, right? Which is, <laughs> which is a tough loss because you're sort of saying- Well, then you got to convince them, right? I mean, that's, well, that's and, a big and challenge. So Part of our strategy is actually to make it easier to, to get mm. going to what I call incubate those customers and really accelerate them. Yeah. And on the enterprise side, that's about content, right? It's them feeling like, well, I don't, you know, I don't make a lot of video. I don't have a lot of video. How do I get going? And I the see. answer is like, well, maybe we can help with that. Maybe we can help source you some of the right things. And you know, you'll see us come out with a, a series of initiatives over time that really help 
you know, bring those customers on board with a certain amount of either creation capabilities or capabilities to find content out in the universe that may fit them uh, in a robust way. Interesting. And on the uh, on the other side with uh, individual producers or, uh, you know, not on the enterprise side, but maybe on the okay. media side. I mean, as, as far as your uh, interest in supporting that that part of the market, I mean, are you getting a lot of uh you know, push on that side saying, Hey, you know, we, we really need tools or is it more, uh, you know, pull, you know, in terms of you yeah. know, trying to get attached to that market. I think it's our view that there are a, a, a large number of creators and producers that probably could and should have their own way to reach their audiences and right now rely on platforms and, or, you know, something else to reach them. And so it's, it's more of a vision that we have that there is an opportunity to, you know, to create those individual, access points to their to their customers and their fans and just trying to find the right way to attack it. And I'd say we're early in that development of that market. Okay. As we talked earlier, you've seen, um, you know, the initial big waves, you know, in, in streaming in terms of how it's evolved. And yeah, I do remember when, yes, uh, CBS All Access came out. It was just like out of the blue. I remember it's like, oh, we didn't even know this was, you know, being developed to that point to where it was just one day it was launched. It was there. But uh, along the way, though, between you know those days and and uh, where we are today, I mean, is there anything that really surprised you, you know, in, in terms of how the streaming business evolved uh, to to this point? Again, knowing you know the, the parts are always moving, you know, we're never uh, done. I guess yeah. from an industry standpoint. Well, that's, look, that's the great part, right? It's what keeps us, you know, you and me both employed over a long period of time is that it keeps changing. Mm-hmm. We and hope, different- yeah, or I hope, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all good there. Yeah. Uh, and you're right, we did surprise yeah. people with, with All Access. We kept that a, a very deep secret for, for months and months and months and uh, launched it in October of 2014. And the same day that HBO announced they were going to launch something the next year. Uh, that's what they had said. Right, so we, yeah, you were so far ahead on that, yeah. We actually launched it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, keeping that secret was hard, but it was great. Um, Look, what, I, what I'd say that, that it, it does keep changing, right? I think a lot of things have surprised me, but, you know, mostly have been pretty good. I mean, I think uh, the uptick in original programming for direct-to-consumer streaming services was something, you know, I thought it would be there, but I didn't think it would be what it is today, which is, you know, billions and billions of dollars being, you know, uh, pushed into these services because they are now effectively the most efficient access points to the consumer, so I'd say that one to me, I knew it would be, you know, there would be originals that would drive, you know, top of the funnel or interest level, you know, the amount to which I did not, you know, estimate and, and accurately for sure. And that's across multiple services, right? Because I, I also didn't necessarily think every company would get on board the way they they have every major media company and they really have, right? Which has been tremendous. It took a, took a while. I thought there'd be, uh, you know, a little bit more aggregation, conglomeration around it. Nope. I mean, everybody's going to do their own and... So that to me is like the other point is that the, the lack of bundling options to me in 2022 is also shocking. I mean, we were having bundling conversations in 2017, 2018, 2019 with the platform guys, with, you know, the mobile operators, with the telcos, with folks that could really do it. And you've seen pieces. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are parts of this that have come together. Um, but nothing as robust as what I would have expected, I, I, to be honest. I thought there'd be more opportunities to subscribe to more services at once. You see it in Amazon channels. You see it in the Google Play Store, in the apps, in the Apple App Store. But you just don't see it in the robust fashion that you 
if you were me and you had helped build this business starting in like, you know, the early 2010s that you'd think 10 years later, there'd be more. Um, and I think that goes to the economic incentives, right? The companies are just not economically incented necessarily to trade away um, uh, those those capabilities because they're doing well. They're still growing. You know, as we say, growing growth is slowing, but they're still growing. And right. so I think when you really see it to be a share shift type of market is when you'll start to see that bundling really happen. And that, that happened in cable, you know, that, that happened in other businesses. Well, prior. I was thinking of, um, you know, the, the way it has kind of evolved and, you know, you back before all, you know, the streaming craze and everything, you know, we just had cable channels, right. And everyone right. at least uh, outside of the industry was clamoring for all the cart and saying, well, you know, we should be able to just, buy what we want by the channel and the industry kept pushing back and go, wow, it's going to be extremely expensive to go that route. And then here we are. And it's almost like streaming is kind of uh, created like an a la carte, you know, type of experience to a degree absent, you know, some of the bundling that's out well, there. And I think some people look at it, they put it together like, yeah, it does get kind of expensive when you start tacking on four or five different services. And, and uh, uh, jokingly, shame on us for only focusing on in our in our the way we're talking. And I realized it now on subscription streaming, right? Because when yeah. you look at free ad supported streaming or fast channels, mm -hmm. I actually think that the, the, it's relatively bundled in a few places. Yeah. It has a really broad swath of content. And so the evolution of this has been: there's paid models, there's hybrid models, there's now free models with ads. You sort of you look at it and you'd say, look, as a consumer, never been a better time for more content to be in front of you. And the ability to find effectively anything on a few clicks or few, you know, so voice, you know, voice asks later is pretty darn good relative to the way it was a decade ago or five years ago. So that that's phenomenal. How you pay for that or how your time is 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 uh, uh, rewarded or, or, or consumed is is the challenging part and the models are still being sorted. But I would say it's pretty robust, right? There isn't a thing that you might want to watch in the United States, at least it varies territory to territory as your global company uh, that you probably can get access, right? The access now is no longer the issue. It is more, where yeah, do I find it? Sometimes it's trying to figure out where it is, you know, is part of yeah, the, uh, the challenge, you. but you know, that's coming along too, right? With, with some Discovery's of the got a lot better are, last couple of years, yeah, right? Search yeah. discovery. I would say yeah. when my nine-year-old can literally voice into the, television or into the connected TV or into the Roku or into the, you know, Apple TV and find 95% of what he's trying to get to. That's a lot better than when I was a kid and had to wait for Saturday morning cartoons, you know, between, you know, eight and 11 and, you know, pray that the thing I liked was on, you know, yeah. it's, it's well, it's like even like listening to the radio, waiting for, uh, <clears throat> you know, with your recorder getting ready to hit that, you know, record when that song came up that you wanted. No, um, the on-demand yeah. futures now, the yeah. multi-device future, uh, I always I have this poster in my office. It's actually here with me, uh, which is an ad for Betamax, which someone bought me, which says "Watch oh, whatever, whenever," for, uh, with a Betamax, <laughs> right? And it's sort of saying, "I think we've evolved here, right?" I mean, you're, you're, a little bit, yeah, thankfully, but yeah, but the idea, the idea, the core idea was right, yeah. So, well, you know, and I think a lot of what we talked about uh, today, we we've been more entertainment focused, and uh, yeah, I want to talk to you, kind of get your thoughts about. Uh, live programming and live sports, you know, and, yep. and the way that uh, it's firmly in the picture for streaming. And and uh, this week, while we're talking, is going to be, I guess, everything on Thursday night for football is going to shift to Amazon. And uh, I guess there's going to be a lot of eyes on that for a few reasons. Number one, 
people to watch the game and then everybody to see how it holds up, right, to uh, kind of an exclusive uh, approach. Um, so I guess my question, though, is, um, you know, do you think the underlying streaming infrastructure is ready for this chapter of the streaming era? Or if not, you know, what needs to be done to, to make sure that it's capable and able to scale to the levels it's going to need to? Yeah, look, I, I'd say it's fantastic to see the the industry evolve and take on that challenge. Um, you know, as a person who streamed, I'm trying to remember how many Super Bowls. I think we did three in my tenure, maybe four, three Super Bowls in my tenure, which were always the record-breaking event for individual stream sports event each time we did it. And by the way, each time the next network did it, it would always break the record, right? And yeah, so, each time it would kind of inch forward, yeah. Yeah, it always, it always would go up, you know, mm-hmm. 5, 10, 15%, depending on the year and who yeah. the teams were playing and, and what was going on. And so when you saw the infrastructure handle things like that, handle things like the Grammys, you know, for us, uh, handle some of the live events, we handle at Brightco for many of our customers and we're a big live event supporter um, and, ha- and have robust technology there uh, and have a number of sports franchises, leagues, broadcasters in, in the customer base. Um, and frankly, I think one of the few people that can handle those things from a third party basis Um I think it is there. I think the technology is there to support it. The question is, is it there day one as Amazon launches it on Thursday and how many people find it and and show up, right? And I think that's the question we're yeah. all asking. You push forward two or three years from now, you're not going to be asking that question. Right. And the audience, I think, will be where it, where it could be. I think this week you'll see the audience come in light versus what the TV audience was, but just because it's harder to find and, you know, there is a section of the population that just doesn't, you know, yet embrace this part, you know, of, of the ecosystem, but it'll, it'll get there. I I have full faith. And uh, I think the NFL is really smart in using the right slice of their, uh, of their portfolio to, to grow that part of the business, right? They're not taking Sunday 4 PM national game of the week, sticking (laughs) it as the only place you can get it is, is streaming. They're taking Thursday night, which is great games and great teams, but they're taking something that people know has been an experimental platform for the NFL on their own network on CBS when we did it, on Fox when they did it, and then now, you know, on, on Amazon. So I think you'll see it do fine. I don't think you're going to see, you know, as big a numbers as you did on television, but I think it'll get there over the next few years. And I think that's a smart bet for both companies to, to play that out over time. And I do think the streaming infrastructure is there to handle something like this. Um, we've proven it in lots of territories and in lots of areas where, you know, it has performed in a robust way. So, but again, you know, the difference between TV infrastructure breaks down sometimes too, by the way. I mean, we've seen it over the true. years. True, that's true. Yeah, a couple right. of years ago, you know, mm-hmm. it happens. Um, I'd say what the issue with the internet is that there's so many intermediaries involved in delivering an internet signal that right. it's not like TV where it's sort of like there's like four or five. There's like 40 or 50 in every single delivery on the internet. And so when you're actually trying to troubleshoot, it's not like you're saying like, well, it's one of four or five things. I mean, it's literally one of dozens of potential things, including, you know, is your computer plugged in? And does your internet connection look okay on your end as the consumer, right? And so right. when you say the infrastructure, it's not just on the delivery, you know, party like an Amazon. It's also on, you know, the endpoint user. Where's your internet connection coming from, and how are you yeah. getting? It? Yeah, no, it, it feels like it's going to be. It's a uh, even though, like you said, it's kind of experimental. In, in some ways because of the Thursday night aspect to it where, where they kind of try new things. Um, and, you know, you talked about the Super Bowl and, and that would be kind of a, 
subset of the audience, right? Because most people would be watching or watching right. on a traditional uh, TV, but, you know, kind of this exclusivity, you know, kind of adds a new wrinkle. So that'll be fun, you know, to kind of see how the first week goes or kind of how the first season goes for sure. Yeah. So no, it's going to be, be really yeah. interesting. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, the, um, a uh, lot of what we've talked about is video, right. Streaming of video. And, uh, again, I was going through your remarks and, um, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about like what's out on the horizon, uh, with respect to, uh, content delivery. And I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what kind of services and applications you see out there that are going to, you know, maybe cut into that number a little bit, even though video is going to dominate for the most part. Well, we're we're, we're doing run right now, Jeff. It's audio. Audio is going great and definitely a growing business. And I think it's something we support, uh, especially for our our, our news organizations that we support. Um, Mm -hmm. They've been using robust multi-format streaming for for a long Mm -hmm. time. Um, As a point of disclosure, I think we use light reading uses Brightcove for well, like our uh, again just a point all, of disclosure. All of, right? I, all of a sudden, <laughs> I feel like this is a paid placement. No, I'm just no, kidding. There you go. <laughs> no, yeah. Thank you, you for have noting that, that up I, front. Yeah, thank you for noting that. I don't think yeah. I knew that going in. Yeah. So that, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so I think audio by you know in and of itself is a is an incredible uh, format when done right and is growing. You know robustly and certainly a lot of our customers i said especially on you know what called news and information formats really thrive in, in the audio space um i think also just the way video is evolving right like we uh purchased a company before i joined called happy act which builds a lot of interactivity into the video we do a lot of things that are uh you know we have live shopping capabilities we have the capabilities to do a lot of things that are, you would say like well there's video and then there's sort of beyond video what are the things that are going mm-hmm. on to the screen that are actually creating different user experiences. And I see that probably more as the evolution, you know, there's probably the audio and then there's probably this sort of what I would call enhanced video, right? Video that's coming with something else packaged with it, whether it's an overlay, whether it's a capability that goes with it, whether it's an, you know, something synced to that programming, that's really yeah. creating more, a more robust experience. And when you have a two-way communication device, like a phone or a computer, or, you know, even a connected television, there are a lot of other options that come with that than what used to be traditional, you know, broadcast yeah. cable. It's like video plus, you know, to give the nod to all the, uh, yeah. the services out there that just, uh, everyone just puts a plus on it now. So maybe we'll just, we'll go with video plus, you know, for that whole, Call whole it video package max. of ideas. There you go. There you go. that would work too. Right. And, yeah. and one last thing on, on video, um, you know, uh, I thought this was interesting. There was a report, um, you probably know Dan Rayburn, the analyst and put out something uh, as a, a post about 4k is still making up a very small volume of the overall bits that are delivered across CDNs and ISPs. And, uh, you know, he had a couple of examples in there, but I figured since I'd have you on here just to kind of get yeah. a feel for what kind of trends, you know, does Brightcove see with respect to, 4k volumes has it been pretty steady are you seeing something similar you know it's kind of a small small piece of the pie still yeah it's it's a small piece of the pie generally over the internet so it's not just break of we see it there but it's it's everywhere it's it's small and there's two reasons maybe three but you know first you got you got to have the feed in 4k to then deliver the feed in in 4k to then a tv that can receive it in 4k and so that just portion of the market that has all three of those things tied together is, is relatively limited, right? 
right? It's not everybody. It's not every household. And then, you know, I would say that the combination of both the consumer not necessarily having the pipe to receive it and the company delivering it, not wanting to pay the money to necessarily hit that small set subsection of customers. So when I think you see it today, it's probably mostly a marketing ploy, you know, for many companies to say, we have it in 4K and you're going to want it in 4K. And that'll make you say, oh, it's high quality and it has a lot to it. At the end of the day, most people are delivering and, you know, we're still in the 720s, 1080s, HDR, you know, we're still working our way towards there. But what I would say is over time, the trend is always towards higher quality. Just over, you know, generally, if you look at video from uh, when you and I were kids yeah. on the internet to like, you know, in the in the early 2000s to now the 2010s to today, you know, we're not living with, you know, small bitrate video anymore, right? Even on your mobile phone, you're looking at something that's pretty, pretty reasonably high. The other thing that's improving is the codecs, even, you know, we have a very specialty uh, uh group that focuses on the research of encoding, transcoding, and getting it to the smallest file size, but getting you the most robust view, like that is improving, you know, month by month, year by year. And so as you sort of continue compression and encoding technology to improve, consider continue delivery technology to improve, the prices will come down. CDN pricing is continually decreasing generally per bit. You know, you sort of look at all those things, you say, it's definitely a growth industry to be in higher quality video. You're asking at the relatively highest quality available video today. I know there's AK, but you know. Yeah, that was the other thing I'm here. I was like, is that even on your radar yet? Or, you know, even a big consideration. consumer demand nor nor business demand to really deliver it yet. So the answer is it's on the radar, but it's, you know, pretty distant off in terms of how robust it's going to be for many of our customers. And if you Mm -hmm. think about a lot of our use case, you know, for many of our customers is mobile phone usage, which like, I mean, Sending an 8K signal to a phone doesn't even make, make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't receive <laughs> it. It doesn't handle it. It doesn't need it. Yeah. And so the way I look at it is as the consumer demand comes, so will the, the need for companies to deliver in it. And, you know, when a large portion of at least media streaming is over, uh, is two connected televisions, which, you know, over time as they get replaced and they get cheaper, by the way, you know, you will, you will see a more, uh, uh, you will see that footprint grow. And I would say today it's pretty pretty small and okay. yeah so the capabilities there the the economic model and the desire from the consumer and the business to deliver it is not there or at least not there in a big robust fashion yet right. but it might get it still might get there at some point we just i think it, my, my point is, is it might is that it it will it's just a okay. question of how long you know and and it's not 12 to 24 months it's probably much longer than that okay you know? great well this was fun i was uh, glad we got a chance to cover a lot of ground you know, about the business and, and uh, what, what's been happening in the uh, streaming sector overall, the, a lot of things going on, but uh, I think that's, where we're going to leave it today, but uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast. It was good to get a chance to uh, catch up with you, Mark. No, great to be here, Jeff. Thanks so much. Sure thing. All right. Yeah, be well.